You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce and regional leader in higher education, Mount Wachusett Community College. The business world is more competitive than ever, and running a business has never been more challenging. The North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce is here to help with trusted resources, a strong business network, and a support system to keep your business and North Central Massachusetts moving forward. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal on the road in Cat's actual city that she lives in today. Uh, we are here at Gardner City Hall. And Cat, who are we chatting with in this beautiful office today? Well, I just want to say it's really nice to be in my hometown and it's great to be here in Gardner with the mayor of Gardner, Mike Nicholson. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad to have you here. And uh, we know there's a lot of different things going on that we're going to talk about, especially with Gardner Centennial coming up. But one of the things we want to touch on first is the fact that you know, you've been mayor now for a few years, came in really during the pandemic, and I'm sure that was an interesting journey. For you, what was it like to be you know, born and raised here, growing up in Gardner, coming to all the city events, and now being able to actually run this city? What does that feel like for you as a Gardner native? It was a weird feeling at first, for sure, but it's a wicked cool feeling at the same time. You know, Being 28 years old, growing up here, a lot of the changes that we've seen in Gardner have really happened recently. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear a lot of the stories from the older generation here in Gardner, they talk about, oh, you know, back in the day, Gardner this and the factories that and the city hall dances every Friday this and downtown had this shop here, but that wasn't around for me. So the perspective that like I've taken with it is if Gardner's going to grow, you might as well grow with it. Oh, and that's, that's so one of good. the takes that I guess we've just gone with. My dad was born and raised here. My mom moved here for a reason when she moved from Nicaragua. And it's just one of those places that's home and you want to make better. And it's just been a really cool feeling for sure. You know, Mike, it's, it's, it has to be interesting because, you know, when you were a kid and, you know, I've lived here for over 20 years, when you were a kid, there was a lot more presence downtown. Mm -hmm. There were a lot more stores. And over the last 20 years, we've definitely seen a decline in that. Mm -hmm. And we are going to talk about the projects that are going on. And if you haven't driven downtown to our listeners, please drive downtown Gardner. There's so much going on, but How great is it for you? Um, Because I agree, a lot of the improvements that have been made, all of the real estate we're going to talk about, all those projects have happened under you. Oh, thank you. Truly, they have. And it's making downtown Gardner a very different place to to be. Um, But what is it like for you to be able to have that kind of impact, not just as being the mayor, but as this is your hometown? It is. It is. And it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I ran to begin with in the first place is you know, a lot of people say, you know, what's your favorite part about me being mayor? Why did you run for mayor? And those are the things you get whenever you visit the schools, make talk somewhere, anything like that. And, you know, it's almost a two-part answer. The coolest part I think about being mayor is that, like, I could drive to work in the morning, and if I drive by a playground and there's a broken swing, and I make a call on the way in and say, hey, you know, there's a broken swing over here at Jackson Playground, over the case, one of our different playgrounds, do you mind if you go fix it? The DPW goes out and fix it, and when I'm driving home, there's a kid swinging on that swing. That's the best feeling, because now that kid's making memories in Gardner about their time here. And a lot of what we're doing it's for the people who have lived here a long time. It's for the people who are in our schools. It's, you know, you hit those two different spectrums of the population there, but you forget, you can't forget who's in the middle. And that's 
are we setting up a stage for the younger people, particularly those who just graduated from high school, that they want to come back to Gardner? Is Gardner just going to be their home that they grew up in or is it going to be their forever home? And you start those memories from that small age. So it's the projects that may seem small, like fixing a swing set, paving a road, adding something new to the downtown, even if it's small, like the lights or the fountains, just finding ways that people are proud to call Gardner their home so that they want to come back. And it's not just, a, oh, I'll always be from Gardner, but I just can't stay here. And there's different ways to do that that I think we've tried, but it's just the start of it. And, you know, I think one of the other things I always say with those questions when I get asked is when my mom moved here, she moved from a country in the middle of a civil war. And when she was in school and growing up, you have this idea. Every kid has this idea of when I grow up, I want to be this. When Mm -hmm. you talk to a kindergartner, I want to be a firefighter, a police officer, an astronaut. Unless you say dinosaur, if it's something (laughs) you actually try to, you can actually achieve it. Whether it's changes or not, it's something you could do. But she didn't get that chance because she had to pack up and leave. Where I get that chance to make that difference in my community that she gave up so that I could. So for me, it's just something I couldn't pass up. And so that's those are the two lenses I take here at the job is that you have a chance to make a difference in your community, to make things better for someone else. Why not? Why is it worth giving that chance up if other people don't get that chance? And at the same time, this is my home that made me who I am. How can I give someone else that experience too? So when you kind of overlap those together, it just brings it into perspective, I guess. Now, in talking about your experience before you became mayor, um, and you obviously became mayor at a younger age than a lot of mayors yeah. uh, here in the state of Massachusetts, but you started off as an intern to former mayor Mark Hawk before becoming a town admin over in Rutland. Mm-hmm. How did those roles prep you for what you're doing now in the city with all the revitalization and having to navigate a pandemic right out the go as you're in your first term as mayor? <laughs> I don't think there's any way to prep for a pandemic, no. uh, but... My internship with Mayor Hawk, I was very lucky to get. I actually originally talked to him about that after I interned for former state representative Rich Bastien. Mm -hmm. And when he lost his reelection, Mayor Hawk gave me a call and said, hey, you're graduating high school pretty soon. I need a summer intern. I know you did a good job with Rich. Why don't you come work in my office? So I said, sure. You know, I was dead set. I was going to UMass. I was going to be a high school history teacher. That was going to be what I was going to do. I was going to be the next John Gardella. Uh, who was my AP Gov teacher at Gardner High. And then when I got here, I was like, you know, teaching that stuff would be cool, but I'm actually doing that stuff now. And I really liked it, and I didn't expect that. But I went off to UMass and was like, you know, I'm going to keep doing that work here. And every summer and every winter break and every spring break, all that other time, Mayor Hawk was calling me saying, hey, why don't you come back? You know, I still don't have anyone. Why don't you come back? And I ended up doing all of my breaks here in this office. And what it was doing was I got to see how the work was done firsthand in a closer atmosphere. I got to talk to him and see, you know, this is the frustrating moment. This is the goals that we're trying to have. This is the vision that we'd like to have, but these are also the roadblocks that are in the way. And then I'm really happy I got to step away to and go to Rutland for a little bit and get that outside perspective. Because I feel like that made it so that I wasn't stuck in this silo of this is the only idea you can have and this is the only way it can be accomplished. When you're working from an intern and then an aide level position in the mayor's office, because luckily Mayor Hawk did hire me after I graduated with my master's degree. When I went to Rutland, dealing with a town that doesn't even have 9,000 people is a lot different than being in a city here. So you have to think differently. Um, My first town meeting had 850 people in it. So my budget would only pass if those 850 people voted for it. So trying to convince 
almost a thousand people is a lot different than trying to convince the 11 city councilors. So you're forced to think outside the box that way with that perspective. So it was just different. So I think having those two experiences just gave me that different perspective that allowed me to get out of the pre mold that had been here and try something new. So apart from having to convince a lot more folks like the town meeting, what are some of the other biggest differences that you found between how a town admin works and how a mayor works? Because I think a lot of listeners, unless you're really steeped into what's happening in your city or town, you might not realize the difference. You think, well, it's just a mayor with a different name, but that's not the case at all. No, no. The way it was described to me on my first day, I'll never forget. Uh, it was right after I got my first phone call, which was my neighbor's cows are eating my rose bushes, which I didn't know how to <laughs> respond to at the time. Uh, but it kind of set the stage on this is going to be different. Uh, but the way it was described to me is if you think of a family party in a small family setting, while you know, you're know you there for to celebrate the same reason in the end, inevitably at some point, someone's going to say something that's going to get under the other person's skin, whether it be my cooking was better, or what did you think of this, or wasn't this nice compared to this? And you get this little infighting going on when you're in a smaller setting. So the select board of a town is almost like your party planning committee who hires the town administrator like your party planner to do everything for you so you get rid of that infighting on a smaller scale. You, have, you hire the town administrator to run the operations of the town for you so that you can focus more on the big picture rather than those small details that tend to cause those arguments more often. Whereas when you're in a bigger setting, like a city, the population is a lot more spread out that you can kind of have that more control on an elected scale for a actual elected administrator running the day-to-day rather than these smaller ones where you kind of get lost in the details because you're so focused on the ground level. Yeah, that's that's a huge difference because nobody really wants to deal with cows eating the flowers, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I, so now you're running Gardner. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's known you for a very long time, it's really wonderful to see the changes that you've brought. Not only did you get to start in a pandemic, which is unprecedented, but now you get to be here for the city turning 100. Yeah. Which is so exciting. Yeah, no, it is really neat. The pandemic had its own challenges. And I feel like looking back, I don't feel like it's been three years. <laughs> but at the same time, my first month felt like three years at the yeah, time. Absolutely. It's one of those everything fly like flew by. But when you're going through it, you're trying to figure out, okay, how do we get a vaccine clinic off the ground? But that's before vaccines even existed. And I think that's one of the reasons why our vaccine clinic was listed as one of the most successful in the state was that we didn't wait for Moderna to announce, okay, we've got the first doses available. We started talking about that the day I got sworn in. But because we started talking about that so early, that really took up the majority of what we were doing. So now thinking of all the projects that we've done since then with a lot of the work being done downtown, a lot of our infrastructure improvements, the new school building opening up. It almost feels like all of that's come real quick down the line, but mm-hmm. it's because while we had those conversations then, they were so overshadowed by what the pandemic was doing that it seemed like we were so in the early phases and then everything just clicked fast forward. So sometimes I just got to honestly sit back and remember that, no, we've been talking about this for a while. It's yeah. just we're finally able to press the go button on it. How amazing. And as we talk about downtown, I know there's been a number of um, changes of of property holders, or I guess Mm -hmm. change of hands of different properties in the downtown Gardner area. Can you talk about navigating that process? Because for anyone who's familiar with Gardner, there was an unfortunate situation where several businesses were kind of held by an absentee landlord and stuff wasn't getting done. And that can really prevent growth in the city. How did you navigate that process to finally get a more involved 
party interested in these properties and get them to really say, we're going to invest in this. We're going to turn this building around and get some storefronts filled. So it really started back right when the pandemic was just starting to have its open up period. The Garbos building had a issue with their water in uh, the water line in the building that co-contaminated the fire suppressant line with their domestic line. So if you turned on the faucet water that was sitting in the sprinkler system was ongoing for a little bit because of the previous absentee landlord didn't change the valve that disconnected the two. And that was the first time I was like, okay, we have a business in there who hasn't been able to open for at least a couple months that now can't open again because the water doesn't work and you need water to run a nail salon business. So that's when we started doing a outreach ourselves rather than waiting for people to come to us. We started going to other people. And I still remember the day it was John Bombacci from Candor Realty and Mark Surrett from Empire Management happened to be in my office the next couple days after that. And we just had to sit down, talk about different projects that were going on with other buildings, not in the downtown area. And I was like, just so you know, I'm telling this to everyone who I'm talking to that's in your field. Have you thought about looking at these buildings downtown? And that's really what started it is they hadn't looked at them before, but Empire's you know neighbor was one of those buildings. Mm-hmm still is across the street and the other ones just simply hadn't looked at that type of a property in town. Mm -hmm. They were looking more at smaller residential. Mm -hmm. Well, now here we are about a year and a half after that and 22 buildings in the downtown are now under new ownership. And it's one of those, we didn't expect something that simple to solve the problem, but it did. And I'm hoping that progress continues. I'm hoping that we see a lot of growth as a result of those purchases and You know, it's the first time a lot of these buildings have seen money put towards them since the deed was filed when they were first purchased in the 80s. And some of those do include a housing component as well. And I know Gardner's seen growth. Uh, You look at the three cities, obviously you have a smaller population, but there are more and more people heading further west along Route 2. Can you talk about how a lot of those projects are including a housing component and how really that's one of the big things that I know the the current administration and even the previous administration at the state level were, were really advocating for more of? Absolutely. We have about 526 housing units in Gardner currently being constructed. Uh, Probably half of those are in the downtown and different apartment units. You look at the 25 Main Street building, so the Flatiron building, there's about 14 apartments going in that building. There's about 18 going in the Garbos building. So that's the one on the corner uh, with Nails 2000. The Gardner News building is set to have the Greater Gardner Chamber of Commerce on the first floor with about eight different residential units on the upper floors. The rear Main Street building is set to have a five-story, 100-unit apartment building there as well that may have a rooftop restaurant component involved in that. There's a lot of housing growth that's here, and it's something that we saw beforehand, but uh, we noticed in the 2020 census versus the 2010 census, our population grew 10%. We're still seeing that trend here with our local data that we have because we do do our own census every year just for our own records. A lot of these people are coming out from the greater Boston metropolitan area. And I've been saying that people are starting to realize that you can buy a house for an acre of land in Gardner for what you can buy a cinder block for in Boston. Mm -hmm. And it's something I saw when I was looking for my house. It took me to offer 38 before I finally got my offer accepted. And it's something that people are just starting to realize how nice of an area this is. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, Gardner's always said, I remember when I was an intern hearing the saying, Gardner's a city with a small town's heart. And people like that. It's mm-hmm. You don't feel cramped. You don't feel crowded, but you get all the amenities that you want in a larger city. And I think that's what's driving people out here. And we're starting to see a lot of the construction projects meet that demand that was right. there, particularly with young professional people. I think that's why the demand that we're seeing for apartment units right now are one bedrooms and studios, which you wouldn't have thought about 10 years ago. You would have think, okay, two bedroom, three bedroom, what's that going to be here? 
But a lot of them are these one bedroom studio style apartments because that's the demand that's happening for these newly graduated college students that are just looking for a place to start out on their own. We're going to step aside for a quick break. We come back. We'll continue our conversation with Gardner Mayor Mike Nicholson here at Gardner City Hall. Why should your business be a member of the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce? It's actually quite simple. The Chamber is dedicated to protecting and promoting the local business community. Our primary goals? To advance the region, help business owners network and grow, and to advocate on behalf of the business community. Joining the Chamber makes good business sense. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal, as we continue our On the Road series in downtown Gardner today at Gardner City Hall, chatting with Gardner Mayor Mike Nicholson about all the different development happening downtown and coming up their big centennial. Gardner is a great location because we are really close to two other larger cities. If we went east, you're close to other cities when you hit west. So I love hearing the fact that we're rising to the challenge of the housing, but we're also doing a lot of green spaces. And Mm -hmm. I was really lucky to be a part of the mayor's meeting that um, you were talking about that. I just want to say it was amazing to hear you just list off every single project because there's a lot going on. But can we just focus a little on the green spaces? Because I think those are a great addition to downtown. The first one that occurred, of course, was um, we lost the movie theater and we lost the building across the street from Ale House. Um, right on Parker Street, right in downtown. Can you talk about what's happening with those two green spaces? And then I also want to talk about the special stuff that's going behind John's Sports Shop in Priscilla's. Sure thing. There's probably about 250 different apartment units that are coming in the downtown. And one of the things that I guess my goal with a lot of these new green spaces in the downtown is growing up, downtown just looked gray. Mm -hmm. And yes, we had the old buildings that looked nice at one point in time. But when you get run down and don't have a roof anymore, it just makes the area look gray for lack of a better term. So adding these spaces here not only cleans that up a little bit, but gives these people who are now our new residents that are feeling like they have a front lawn and a backyard where you can get together with your friends, your family, your relatives, and just have a good time. And again, make those memories in the city like we talked about. So over across the street from the Ale House at the old uh, Mackey building site, we're going to have that terrace into three different levels. One will be a outdoor seating area with a couple of picnic tables. The middle terrace will have some permanent cemented in cornhole structures. The way it was described to me is take a sidewalk slab, tilt it up and then drill a hole in it. And then you've got a permanent <laughs> cornhole bar there. It is a bring your own bag type place. So BYOB on a whole different level. If you want the other type, go across the street to the Yale house. Uh, and then in the upper level, we'll have a permanent stage there that has electrical capacity there so we can have outdoor performances if someone just wants to go and jam out and have a fun time. Over at the old side of the old Orpheum movie theater, we have a small pocket park there as well. That's since been redone. There's now a little retaining wall slash garden area uh, and a new fountain that's been put in place there. We are going to add some new plantings along the cast iron fence that's on the side and put a bench swing in one of the corners there too. So try kind of make it almost feel like that secret sunken garden feel, even though it's right in the heart of downtown. And then over on the other side of downtown at the intersection of Pleasant Street and Main Street, we call it Bullnose Park because it's in front of the Bullnose Building. We did find out from calling it that so many times that apparently in 1982, the uh, city council voted to name it Chair City Park, but then forgot about it. Oh, um, So that's why we put the new sign up there that says that, but everyone just knows it as Bullnose Park. I thought we just renamed it. I was always Bullnose Park. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. No, it's apparently been that way since 82. Um, 
but things that happen before you're born sometimes go forgotten, I guess, <laughs> at least in my case. But we've got a new fountain over there. We've got the new flagpoles up there too that have, we've never flown the city's flag outside until those were put up. So that's just another just nice, again, make people feel at home, make it a placemaking uh, location. And we've just started to spruce it up a little bit. Uh, and I know you said you've got some questions you have on your own on rear. Well, I just want to say, though, the idea of providing green space in a downtown setting really does help draw people in because if you're going to be in an apartment setting, it's not going to, you're not going to have that yourself. So I think that that initiative, instead of saying we're going to put more buildings because that'll bring tax money or that'll bring revenue for us. What it was a very bold move to say, we're going to let the buildings go. We're going to make a green space because it's very forward thinking because those green spaces were done years ago before you, the buildings were bought before there was a plan to bring residential housing downtown. So very forward thinking to bring that green space in. And I do think that it is, it's really important for a downtown to have something like that. I agree. I agree. And it shows that it's, there's some type of life there. That's yeah. the thing. And yes, they were around before I was mayor, but if you'd let something just sit and get overgrown, you become your next absentee landlord. And that just wasn't something I was wanting to do. Okay, Mike. So a lot going on downtown, obviously the green spaces are very important, but there's even more going in. And this is happening by the library behind Priscilla's. Yeah. We've got a new, full scale project happening back there. I've already mentioned the uh, five story building with the hundred apartments and a rooftop restaurant. Additionally, there's a public side of that that we got through a $4.5 million grant from MassWorks. It's going to be a 160 spot parking lot. Uh, one of the things that we're getting with a lot of the feedback that we're hearing from people is that with all the new growth happening in downtown, is there enough parking? Now it's in Gardner's zoning code that if you don't add floors to an existing building, you don't need to create parking. So even though it's changing the use from office space to apartments, we don't have to make new parking spots for it. But at least that should help alleviate that concern that's there. Mm -hmm. The 100-unit pla the hundred unit apartment building, they'll have their own parking. So they have to have their own separate from that. So it won't even be taken up from that. Uh, additionally, there's food truck parking and a food truck court that'll be there. Some public restrooms associated with those food trucks. Amphitheater seating parks that are there so people can play on the grass but still sit on these really nice... I guess amphitheater walls. I don't know how else to say yeah. it, but it's just going to be a yeah. neat feature. And then we've got a splash park in terms of not what we have over at the Greenwood pool, mm -hmm. but the kind that just the water spits out of the ground and kids can run through and things like that. It's going to be really neat. I'm really excited for that. Uh, there'll be some picnic areas. The way I like to describe it is when you look at the plans, you almost feel like you're in a tiny scaled down version of when you get off of Park Street Station at Boston Common, uh. where you've got the fountain that's right there, the the common, you know, right in front of the state house. It's not the state house, it's Gardner's Library. It's not the Park Street Station, it's Priscilla's Backyard. It's all these things there, but you scale that down and that's the pedestrian mall type of feel that we're trying to get over there. That's a great idea to put in that space as well. Once the library was finished and that space had been produced because of the redevelopment of the area, to have that become something so important to the city, um, something very unique. I think mm -hmm. that's a great way for us to really enhance the fact that you want to come, you want to live here, and maybe you want to raise a family here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's our goal is to, again, give people a reason to call this place their home. Yeah. Now, I know we're talking a lot about the downtown area, but there's often that question of what do you do with some of the older buildings in terms of like school buildings? Mm -hmm. I know there's different new school projects happening in the city, but what do you do with the old vacant buildings that are no longer being used? How do we repurpose those? What's the plan for some of that in, here in Gardner? So for the vacant school buildings that we have, we've already started a couple different ideas with that. Uh, the Waterford Street School, we're going to turn that into a new community center. Our goal right now is to have that be Gamma's Adult Day program. Uh, move that out of Coleman so that they can grow their Coleman Manufacturing Center that's there as a work option for those uh, individuals, but also for those who, 
I need the educational requirement that they have the waiting list for, have that grow and expand over in the Waterford classroom wing of that building. Uh, they have the Gardner CAC transfer their lease that they currently have at the current Gardner Senior Center site over into the library of Waterford Street School, have the Senior Center move from that old PACC site on Pleasant Street over into the uh, kindergarten wing at Waterford Street School, and then growing places would move their food processing and distribution center to the cafeteria there and the kitchen mainly. So there's a lot of moving parts to that one there too, but I think it's going to be very positive because these organizations all work very closely with each other already, and it really will help grow that connection that they have with each other. The uh, Helen May Sauter, we're looking at making that our new arts facility in Gardner. I see uh, one of our cultural commissioners here, Kat Deal, uh, popping up at that one. But we're working with Gala to see if they'd be willing to take that over and see if they could make it some artist spaces in that building. And I kind of find it neat just you have that art side of not just your fine arts, but there's all different things that are associated with that. It's things like the old Chair City Makerspace where people got to learn the art of different wood making and chair things and stuff like that right behind the, the bicentennial big chair that's there anyway. So it's almost like a landmark relating to the work that's being done there. Yeah. The old Elm Street School currently has Gardner Academy. That's our alternative high school. The central office staff will be moving into that building as well. And then the Gardner Boys and Girls Club is uh, located there and fitting that out for their work. At the same time, things like the old School Street School building and the old Prospect Street School building We've, we're in the process of selling those to a person to redevelop those. The School Street School property, we had put that out, but we had to cancel that bid just because there's some Article 97 issues where some of the parcel is overlaid with Jackson Playground. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have to do a little bit of survey work there to really parcel that out to make sure that there aren't any playground restrictions on the land that the school itself sits on. That was going to be 30 condo units. We'll hopefully see something like that when we go forward. At the same time, over in South Gardner at the Prospect Street School, I believe we have 27 apartments that are looking to be constructed in that one there too. It's one of those, again, you don't want yourself to become your next absentee landlord. And that's why one of the reasons why I've made a more concerted effort at trying to get those properties sold after the city takes it, whether it's buildings we've owned that are now vacant or properties we've taken through tax title or properties that have been abandoned that the city's taken through liens on different properties like that, like the old Cosentino Finishing Factory over on West Street. Now that's part of the West Street Auto that's right there around the corner. And the lot on the corner of Nichols and Parker Street, uh, the owners of Long Long Noodle in Baldwinville won the bid on that one to put up a new food court building. So not just Long Long Noodle, but different types of food that's there. The work that's being done, I'm really impressed by how much has happened really quick. And I was saying all wintertime, the only thing that was holding Gardner back was the snow. And now that the snow's <laughs> melted, you can start seeing that, like the gear start to turn and everything start going. And I'm really excited to see how we are at this time next year. There are just so many projects that are going on. And that is a small fraction of the projects, not including the fact that we've opened a brand new elementary school, which is why the other elementary schools are mm-hmm. being able to be repurposed. And, um, and and it's just expanding and going on. But I love the fact that you have a really big focus on kids um, growing up here. I'm sure that was part of it. But, you know, a lot of these kids who are going to hopefully go through their school system, uh, go through Gardner for their all, all, all of school are about to help Gardner celebrate 100 years of being a city. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been in town for a lot longer than that. Yeah. Um, we've been in town since 1785. Correct. And, um, but now we're about to hit 100 years as a city. And I know there's so many things that are going on. Um, can you talk about, let's start with, let's just start with the first thing, which is where can you buy Centennial merchandise? You can get Centennial <laughs> merchandise right here at City Hall in the annex with the Jessica DeRoy, our city economic development coordinator. You can also stop by John's Sport Shop or the Velvet Goose. The reason being, what, uh, for the other places is that uh, we don't have a way that the city can accept a credit card. 
system yet. So if you need to pay with a credit card, stop by John's Sport Shop, stop by the Velvet Goose. They've got everything there for you. That's hats, shirts, hooded sweatshirts, magnets, anything you can think of. They've got it there. Uh, they will be set up at all of our events this year, from all of our concerts to the downtown festivals to everything like that. It's just a fun way to get out and enjoy what's involved. Absolutely. So everybody listening, go pick up your gardener swag for the centennial. But let's talk about the concert because that's coming up in June. Yeah. And it's going to be a really, it's going to be an amazing event. I've gone on, I've listened to the band. I went on to their YouTube <laughs> site. So I'm like, I got to hear what's coming. Yeah. So Seven Day Weekend is a band that I've heard a couple times. And when they put on an all call at one of their shows saying, we're looking at places to play, we reached out. And that was back in probably early March. And I didn't expect them to respond, but they did. And it's one of those things that, again, you try to throw something to the wall and just hope it sticks. That's kind of the, not the main way that we've been dealing with things, but why not reach out to these businesses? Why not reach out to these bands and see if they want to come to Gardner? So they said yes. So then we started having to try to plan a concert and where are we going to put it and what are we going to do? And everyone seems to love the food truck festival every year. And that's one of the projects I got to start when I was an intern here. So I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? That started that one good and it's been nothing but successful since. Let's do this one at City Hall and make it the Chair City Summer Kickoff right here in the heart of downtown and we'll see what happens. And quite frankly, it's probably a, one of the larger grassy spaces that we have in the downtown that fits what we have to do. Um, and it's not too, too big that if we went somewhere like the Mount, we only had 50 people show up, it wasn't going to look as empty. Right. However, it was larger than Monument Park that if we had 150 people show up, it's not going to be as crowded. So... We've got about four or five different food trucks scheduled to be up front. We are going to close the section of Pleasant Street just in front of City Hall for those food trucks to get people food there. Tavern 13 and Moon Hill Brewing are going to be setting up their two bars in the area. Tavern 13 will have a full bar. Moon Hill Brewing will have a beer and wine license. They'll also have non-alcoholic beverages available for people there. And it's just going to be a fun time. We're called, you know, it's a... We talked about the BYOB for the bags for the cornhole. This is a BYOC. Bring your own chair, bring your own picnic blanket, whatever you want to do, and just have a fun night on front of City Hall and just kick off the summer in a nice way. It's going to be the start of Fourth of July weekend. It's going to be the start of the summer. School's just getting out at that time. It'll be good. So the band's performing right on the in the front on the front steps. The is stage that will be the front steps. Yeah. So from six to seven, Brandon Furtado will be our opening act. Uh, he's actually a year younger than me from uh, Somerset. Uh, TikTok singer. So we're oh. going to see if he gets out there. Uh, and then seven day weekend, we'll take the stage from seven to nine 15 with a 15 minute intermission halfway through. Now I know you're a big historian when it comes to all things Gardner. Has a concert ever been held on the steps of city hall before? Not this way. The first concert to be held at city hall was at last year's food truck festival. We had, we moved the concert in the park from monument park down here. Mm -hmm. um, this is the first concert of this scale. Uh, that's going to be here that we've had an opening act. We're going to have a light show with it. They bring in their own staging. They're, they're basically extending the front steps of City Hall into a stage. And I just think it's going to be the coolest thing to see. I really can't wait. I can't wait to see this either. And what's the date of the concert? It will take place on Thursday, June 29th. Brandon will be available from 6 to 7 with 7-day weekend from 7 to 9.15. Food trucks will start serving at 5.30. And where can listeners go for more information besides just playing our podcast over and over? <laughs> uh, you can find all that information on the city's website, www.gardner-ma.gov, the city's Facebook page, as well as our newly reactivated city Instagram at City of Gardner. So if you check any of those out, we'll be able to get you the information. Mike, thank you so much for all the information today from talking about the redevelopment of what we're doing with our schools to the green spaces downtown to all the residential apartments that are being made and how we're, we're really getting people to understand that Gardner is a place to live. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Oh, thanks. You're always welcome to pull up a chair here in Gardner. Oh, too good. We'll be back with another new episode next week. 
You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.